Today we're sharing an excerpt from the popular audiobook, The Power of Focusing, a practical guide to emotional self-healing. Focusing is a gentle yet powerful self-awareness technique that lets you tap into your body's wisdom and make positive changes in your life. It is the process of listening to your body in a gentle, accepting way, honoring the wisdom that you have inside you and hearing the messages that your inner self is sending you. Hi, welcome to Your Great Journey. Each week, we offer you brief tips, techniques, and insights to help you move in positive directions and master big change. For more information, please visit yourgreatjourney.com. Your Great Journey is brought to you by audiobook publisher Wetware Media. Wetware Media publishes a wide variety of personal transformation audiobooks available from any major online audiobook retailer. For more information, please visit wetwaremedia.com. That's W-E-T-W-A-R-E-M-E-D-I-A.com. Today we're sharing an excerpt from the audiobook, The Power of Focusing, A Practical Guide to Emotional Self-Healing, written by Anne Weiser Cornell. This audiobook is a guide to the powerful process of focusing that taps into the body's wisdom and helps you hear the messages from your inner self. In this excerpt, you'll learn what focusing is and how you can benefit from learning focusing. What is focusing? Focusing is a body-oriented process of self-awareness and emotional healing. It's as simple as noticing how you feel and then having a conversation with your feelings in which you do most of the listening. Focusing starts with the familiar experience of feeling something in your body that is about what is going on in your life. When you feel jittery in your stomach as you stand up to speak, or when you feel tightness in your chest as you anticipate making a crucial phone call, you are experiencing what we call a felt sense, a bodily sensation that is meaningful. So what do you do when you have a jittery feeling or a tightness or a choking sensation in your throat? If you're like most of us, you try to get rid of it. Maybe you curse it a little. Why does this stupid feeling have to come now, just when I need to be my best? Or maybe you put yourself down. If I were a better person, I wouldn't freeze up this way. Maybe you do deep breathing exercises, or have a drink, or a cigarette. What doesn't occur to you, unless you know focusing, is to listen to the feeling to let it speak to you. And yet, when you let the feeling speak to you, you are allowing yourself to open to the depth and richness of your whole self. Furthermore, when you listen to the feeling it is much more likely to relax, release, and let you go on with what you're doing in a clear and centered way. You might even move forward in this area of your life in ways that surprise and delight you. Focusing is the process of listening to your body in a gentle, accepting way and hearing the messages that your inner self is sending you. It's a process of honoring the wisdom that you have inside you, becoming aware of the subtle level of knowing that speaks to you through your body. The results of listening to your body are insight, physical release, and positive life change. You understand yourself better, you feel better, and you act in ways that are more likely to create the life you want. The Discovery of Focusing In the early 1960s, Professor Eugene Gendlin at the University of Chicago began research into the question, why is psychotherapy helpful for some people but not others? 
and his colleagues studied tapes of hundreds of therapy sessions. They taped the entire course of their therapy from the first session to the last, with many different therapists and clients. Then they asked both the therapists and the clients to rate whether the therapy had been successful, and they also used psychological tests to determine if there had been positive change. If all three agreed, therapist, client, and independent test, then that course of therapy was used in the study. The result was two groups of tapes, successful versus unsuccessful psychotherapy. The researchers then compared the tapes to see if they could determine what made the difference between success and failure. They first listened to the therapists on the tapes. Common sense suggested that there would be something about the therapist's behavior that would determine whether therapy was successful or not. Surely the therapists in the successful therapy were somehow more empathetic, or more genuine, or more accepting, or more brilliant. But in fact, there was no significant difference in the therapist's behavior. In both sets of tapes, the therapists were essentially the same. The therapists were doing their best, and some clients were getting better, while others were not. Then the researchers listened to the clients on the tapes, and that is where they made a fascinating and important discovery. There was a difference between the successful therapy clients and the unsuccessful ones, and it was a difference that could be heard in the first or second session, in the clients. Whatever this was, it wasn't something that the successful clients learned how to do because of the therapy. It was something they were already doing, able to do, when they walked in the door. Gendlin and the other researchers found, to their surprise, that they could predict success in therapy by listening to the tapes of anyone's first two therapy sessions. Listening to the client, they could actually tell whether or not the therapy would be ultimately successful. So what was this? What was it that the researchers could hear on the tapes that allowed them to predict whether the therapy would be successful? What they heard was this. At some point in the session, the successful therapy clients would slow down their talk become less articulate, and begin to grope for words to describe something that they were feeling at that moment. If you listened to the tapes, you would hear something like this. Hmm, how would I describe this? It's right here. It's, um, it's, it's not exactly anger. Hmm. Often, the clients would mention that they experienced this feeling in their bodies, saying things like, it's all right here in my chest, or I have this funny feeling in my stomach. So the successful therapy clients had a vague, hard-to-describe body awareness that they were directly sensing during the session. By contrast, the unsuccessful therapy clients stayed articulate through the whole session. They stayed up in their heads, they didn't sense their bodies, and they never directly felt something that at first was hard to describe. No matter how much they analyzed their problems or explained them or thought about them or cried about them, their therapy was ultimately unsuccessful. Eugene Gendlin determined to find out how to teach the skill that made all the difference between successful and unsuccessful therapy. As a therapist himself, he didn't want to merely sit back and watch as some of his clients got better and others did not. He wanted to help everyone. Gendlin did find a way to teach this powerful and effective skill of emotional healing, and he called it focusing. At first, he thought focusing would only be used to improve psychotherapy, 
But then people started asking him to teach them focusing for other purposes, as a self-help skill to use instead of therapy, to make decisions, to help with creative projects. In 1978, he published a book called Focusing, which sold hundreds of thousands of copies. The interest in focusing was so great that Gimlin started offering workshops and started the Focusing Institute to support the growing worldwide network of people using focusing. Focusing is a natural skill that was discovered, not invented. It was discovered by looking at what people are doing when they are changing successfully. Focusing ability is the birthright of every person. We were all born with the ability to know how we feel from moment to moment. But for most of us, the experiences of hurt and alienation in our childhood and from our culture have caused us to lose trust in our bodies and our feelings. We need to relearn focusing. Who benefits from focusing? Focusing is a very broad-purpose skill. It isn't intended for one single purpose, but for many. The wonderful thing is that you can learn focusing and then use it whenever you need it for the rest of your life. Jenny's story, told at the beginning of this audiobook, is an example of how to use focusing to understand and change an intrusive body signal, such as a choking sensation. Here are some of the other ways you might benefit from focusing. If you feel stuck in your therapy, often people who are in psychotherapy but feel stuck decide to learn focusing in order to get their therapy moving again. They feel their therapy progressed for a while, but then bogged down somehow. I keep saying the same things, getting the same insights, one woman reported. I know there's something I'm not getting to, but I don't know what. Some therapists incorporate focusing techniques in their therapy. Others recommend their clients learn focusing and practice it between sessions. If you're in therapy now and would like your therapist to use focusing, refer to Chapter 11. Many people are not in touch with their feelings and their wants. Often, men are trained to ignore and set aside feelings, especially weaker and more tender feelings, like fear and sadness. People ask me how I feel, and I draw a blank. It's like there's nothing there. Often, women are trained to defer to others, to set their own feelings aside and put others' feelings first. As a consequence, we don't even know what we feel and want. We're cut off from our bodies, from the source of knowing how we feel. Focusing brings us back into our bodies and back into contact with what is real for us, our feelings, wants, and needs. If you'd like a way to handle overwhelming emotions, strong feelings like sadness, fear, or anger can sometimes feel overwhelming. They can wash over us like ocean waves, shake us like a windstorm, and we can feel helpless next to their power. But these emotions are strong for a reason. They have an important story to tell. They are bringing back an important piece of our wholeness. Focusing lets you hear the story and receive the gifts from these strong emotions without getting overwhelmed. With focusing, you learn how to have a comfortable relationship with strong feelings, how to acknowledge them and listen to them instead of being drowned by them. If you'd like to release action blocks or addictions, an action block is any place in your life where you want to do something, but you don't. The most common action blocks are organization blocks, like never getting your desk organized, and writer's block. Procrastination is the all-purpose block. If you can fill in the blank in this sentence, 
I want to blank, but I don't. Then you have an action block. Addictions work like action blocks in reverse. With an addiction, the sentence is, I want to stop blank, but I don't. Focusing helps you release action blocks or addictions by enabling you to listen compassionately to the part of you that is responsible for the block or addiction and gain its cooperation. If you'd like to release self-criticism and increase self-love and acceptance. You've failed again. You'll always fail. You might as well give up now. There's something profoundly wrong with you. You're flawed in a way that can never be fixed. You're weird. You'd better not let anyone else see how weird you are. They won't want to be friends with you. Who is saying these terrible things to you? If you're like most of us, you say them to yourself. We are typically more harsh and cruel to ourselves than we are to anyone else. Focusing has powerful tools for releasing you from self-criticism and other forms of inner sabotage. You'll learn to turn your inner critic into an ally and supporter, and you'll grow in love and acceptance for all parts of yourself. This self-acceptance, in turn, allows deeper and faster change in the areas of your life that need to change. If you'd like to make clear and centered decisions, everyone needs to make decisions every day. Some are small, such as, what shall I have for dinner? Some are large, such as, what will I do with the rest of my life? If decision-making isn't easy for you, every day can be a minefield. Confusion, self-doubt, and anxiety are a few of the companions of a difficult decision-making process. I want to learn focusing, one man told me because I realize that my decision-making always falls back on what I should do according to other people or society, and I don't want that. The classical way of making a decision is to draw a line down the middle of a sheet of paper and list all the pros on one side and all the cons on the other. Have you ever done that and found yourself at the end as undecided as ever? The difficulty is that this is a purely logical way of decision-making. And logic uses only one part of us. We need to make decisions, especially important ones, from our whole self. Focusing is a great tool for decision-making because it helps you sense the rightness of the choice you are making at a level beyond logical analysis. You will be able to make a choice that is right for you holistically, that is, taking in and integrating all factors at once. The Wisdom of the Body It is becoming common knowledge that we can consult our bodies about what is right for us to eat and how much exercise we need. Many people now understand that our bodies know what good health is and that our bodies can show us how to find our way to optimum physical health if we so desire. But to see the scope of the body's wisdom as only physical is to take much too narrow a view. There is much more. The truth is that our bodies are wise in many ways hardly ever acknowledged by our culture. Our bodies carry knowledge about how we are living our lives, about what we need to be more fully ourselves, about what we value and believe, about what has hurt us emotionally and how to heal it. Our bodies know which people around us are the ones who bring out the best in us and which people deplete and diminish us. Our bodies know what is the right next step to bring us to more fulfilling and rewarding lives. Our minds alone do not know these things. Our minds can remember the past, repeat what others have told us, 
and invent any number of possible futures to be either wishful or anxious about. But the past and the future, the primary domains of the mind, are not the place where change can happen. Change happens in the present. The gift of the body is that it is always in present time, always here. To move into the part of you that has the power to transform your life, all you need to do is to bring your awareness to your body. Focusing is the way into this vast realm of knowledge and this exciting potential for change. Focusing lets you form a trusting relationship with your body so you can begin to hear the wisdom of this vast part of yourself that is accessible through body awareness. Focusing lets you listen to the whispers of your body before it has to shout. Focusing is the key to changing your life in a way that satisfies your inner sense of rightness. Thanks for listening to this excerpt from the audiobook, The Power of Focusing, A Practical Guide to Emotional Self-Healing. You can purchase the complete audiobook from any major online audiobook retailer. If you'd like more information, please visit yourgreatjourney.com. Please be sure to subscribe to the show so you don't miss an episode. And if you like the show, please rate it and review it. And please share it with friends who might also enjoy it. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. Your Great Journey is brought to you by audiobook publisher Wetware Media. Wetware Media publishes a wide variety of personal transformation audiobooks available from any major online audiobook retailer. For more information, please visit wetwaremedia.com. That's W-E-T-W-A-R-E-M-E-D-I-A dot com.